Have some fun. Well, how's everybody doing this morning? Yeah. You're 2023 off to a great start. Now as we're at the second Sunday of the year, welcome to all you who are watching via the internet. I feel like it's been a while since I've stopped to say hello to you guys. Yeah. You know, sometimes we have more people that watch us online on a weekend than we do actually sitting in the seats. And so we thank you for uh, joining in with us. Grab your Bible, get your notepad. God's got things for you as well. Yes. Um, in the end of December, mid-December, and December 18th, uh, as we were finishing up our, our message on that, that day, that Sunday, we were talking about the spirit of faith. And as we got to the end, I began to talk about uh, being sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and not overriding that inward witness, that check. And, you know, sometimes as you're going about your, about your day, it's all of a sudden like things pop up and it's like, oh, I should do this. And sometimes we do it, and sometimes we don't. Other times we're going about things, it's like, uh, maybe I should stop, or I should slow down, or I should do something. And that is the Holy Spirit just kind of giving you those little nudges, keeping you on track, getting you going where you need to go. And we need to be sensitive not to override those leadings. Because the Holy Spirit knows how to guide you and lead you right where you need to be so that you're where you need to be when you need to be there. And so... We don't always know why he's nudging us in little directions. Sometimes when he asks you to do something, you don't know what he's keeping you from if you would have continued on in that direction. Yes. Come on, we're just doing a little yes. bit of recap here to get us yes. back on track. You don't always know why he's nudging it, and that's sometimes we get too wrapped up about having to know all of the details and filling in all of the steps and knowing every little thing. Last time I checked, you're not God he is. He gets to know all the parts, and he tells you what you need to know. And sometimes not knowing is a blessing. Come on. Sometimes not knowing what's around the corner is a blessing. Because if you knew where you were heading, you might take the wrong route because you're trying to fill in your details about how you would do it. And so when we look about the stories of the Bible, when God gives instructions... He often tells them exactly how they should do it. What did, what did he say to Abraham? He called him and he said, I'm sending you off to a land in which you don't know. Come out from your, your family, come out from your father's house, and get moving to a place I will show you. Yes. And so he had to take all of those steps on the journey, and there was lots of events that happened on the way to where he was going, yes. where God was shaping him, and growing him, changing his perspective. And there was a reason why he told him to come out from amongst his family and get out of his father's house. It's because he didn't want him to be like his father and didn't want him to be like his family. And sometimes God will call you out from things so that he can get that type of thinking out of you, so that he can change your perspective, that he can change the way that you think, getting rid of some of the stinking thinking from the past. And so sometimes it's a blessing not knowing all of the details. And so we need to learn to relax a bit and stop saying, God, why, 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 why? Just say, no, you told me to be here. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be present where I am. I'm going to give my supply where I am because, God, this is where you told me to be. So I don't have to know what I don't know. I can know that you know and you know better than me. Come on. 
The Bible says that you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. That doesn't mean you know everything, but you know all the things that you need to know. Come on, you're getting all this for free. This is not planned in my message this morning. You know what you need to know when you need to know it when we listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And you can say, well, Pastor Jordan, I don't think I, I know how to be led by the Holy Spirit. You've probably done it lots of times without even realizing it. We often use very natural terms to say it. Oh, I just had this gut feeling. Well, maybe it wasn't your gut. You're saying it was your gut, but the, the book in Proverbs, it says, the spirit of the Lord is the candle of a man, and he searches all the inward parts of the belly. We get used to thinking from here, and he leads you from the center of your being, your spirit. Why does it, John said that, Jesus said in the book of John, that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And sometimes we accidentally follow those gut feelings where the Holy Spirit's given you those nudges. So you've probably been led by the Holy Spirit and you didn't even realize it was him. That's okay, you just say, thank God. I listened or I didn't know. Or you get into situations where like, I knew I shouldn't have done that. That was him nudging you. Come on. We like to sometimes hold the strings and be like, God, you have to do it this way. No, he doesn't. He gets to do it how he wants to do it. Last time I checked, he's God, you're not. And so we don't need to get wrapped up in what we don't know when we don't know it. You do what you know to do when you know to do it, and that's called faithfulness. Come on. Because your mind's going to say, well, I didn't do this. And I didn't do this, and I didn't do this, and I didn't do this. And he doesn't like, I didn't ask you to do any of that. Come on. You do what you know to do when you know to do it. And for the disciples, when after Jesus had gone, the Holy Spirit had come, you read the book of Acts, they have statements like, it seemed good to us to do this. And then a few verses later, it says, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. And so as they went with that seems good, they realized, wait, that's what the Holy Spirit's wanting. And one of the ways you can tell that the Holy Spirit's leading you in that, with that inward witness or that still small voice is when you seem like you should do something, but it's not something that you want to do. I'd be concerned if your seems like always lines up with what God's doing. Because we're not always on the same page. Like you said, I said, he knows things that I don't and you don't. And so if it seems like you should do this, but you want to do this, it's pretty obvious. It's not you going that direction. Come on. And so we need to not allow ourselves to override that leading of the Holy Spirit. I will, he's, Jesus said, I'll send the spirit of truth. And he'll lead you. He will guide you into all truth. And so we need to allow the Lord to lead. Come on, let's get the slides going. Allow the Lord to lead and direct our steps. Now, lead and direct, you can say those are the same things. No, they're not. Some of us are saying, God, give me direction. And he's saying, follow as I lead which means I become sensitive and I watch. I give, I give priority to the things that he talks about 
and the things that he values over the things that I value. Come on. He doesn't have any problem with you having desires and things like that. But there comes a time where you're in a place of uncertainty where it's like, God, it doesn't matter what I want. I'm going to give precedent to prayer. I'm going to give precedent to the word. I'm going to allow myself to become more sensitive because you're leading and I want to follow, which means you're out in front and I'm not. Come on. You don't lead from the back. And some of us run, and God's saying, slow down. Some of us drag, and God's saying, keep up. We end up on both ends of the spectrum, eh? We have to allow the Lord to lead and direct. When you're with him and you're following him, he'll then say, go this direction. Go this way. And you head off that, that direction and you do what you need to do. And then what do you do? You come back so that he can lead you and give you direction again. Come on. Now, when we start talking about being led by the Holy Spirit, I want to give a bit of a balance this morning. And this morning's message, if you want to call it something, you'd call it a shotgun special. And oftentimes, I, I have what I call the chain. When I've written a message, I, I, when I'm looking at my notes, can I follow the chain? I have a destination that I'm going, and all the links in the chain are leading to that. When I say it's a shotgun special, it's not like a shotgun wet wedding, like you're marrying me or not. You've got to listen to this message. That's not what I mean. A shotgun is a scatter weapon, right? A little bit here, a little bit there. And so we may be a little all over the place this morning, but I think God's got some things he needs to fill in in some people's hearts this morning. And when we're talking about the leading of the Holy Spirit, we need to be fully understanding that it never overrides the general direction of the Word of God. And that's very important because the longer you've been saved and the longer you've been involved in churches, you inevitably see things go around in cycles and in circles. And uh, something I've seen several times over the, like we've been pastoring here in this church 21 years now, I've been lead pastor for 50 I've been pastoring here for 15 years, and you see things go around, and inevitably you come to people, when you talk about being led by the Holy Spirit, they're like, well, I guess I don't need the word anymore because I feel like I need to go this direction, but it's in direct violation of the word. He will never lead you outside of his word because they agree. The apostle John said in 1 John 5, 7, for there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And so the Holy Spirit won't lead you outside of the Word. Just last week, there was a person that I know that's on Facebook that I have. They made a post that, you know, some of these churches are so bound that they're, they're sticking with the Word. You need to get out there and let the Holy Spirit take you beyond. No. If you're beyond the Word, you're beyond God because he can't violate being in one with himself. And obviously John here, he's the same one that wrote the gospel, John, and he said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and the word was full of grace and truth. Grace and truth always together, they don't balance each other, they come together. Grace will always be filled with truth. The spirit of grace, the Holy Spirit, won't lead you outside of the truth, which is his word. He said, my word is truth. And so the word will always be in agreement. And so if you're looking to be led by the spirit of God, 
we need to stop treating the word as a suggestion. Let's stop for there for a second. We have to stop treating the word as a suggestion. What he said is what he said for a reason. And what he said, he meant it. And this is an important topic that we need to talk about in these times because we live in a society where morality is becoming more and more flexible. No, it isn't. I saw one of the lead theologians who does a lot of Bible translations say the other day, he's like, you know, the morality of the Bible doesn't apply to us today. Yeah, it does. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you let go of it, I don't care. I'll stop listening to you then. The word is truth. Come on. And so in times of moral flexibility of society, you have to remember you're in this world, but you're not of this world, and they can be as flexible as they want to. You can't. His word is truth. His word is settled forever in heaven, and it doesn't matter how flexible they get with morals. God's word is his word. And so you can't treat his word as a suggestion when he meant it as a commandment. When he said that all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, you can't say there's many ways to God. When he said, no, those who call and believe on the name of Jesus, to those he gives the power to become sons and daughters of God, right? And so there's not many ways to God. There's just Jesus. He's the only way. Come on. We could get into a lot of different things this morning just talking about the inflexibility of the morals of God. Just because they tell you there's a hundred genders doesn't mean it's true. And technically, it's become illegal in this country for me to say that to you. But there's things that still need to be said anyways. What he meant as a command, you can't treat as a suggestion and then be led by the Holy Spirit. Because the Word and the Spirit agree. You know, I had a conversation with a person a few years ago. They attended this church for a while, then they went to another church, and then I, we were out with them, and he's like, oh, yeah, we're looking to go to this new church because we're looking for a church that's a little more flexible when it comes to, you know, affirming gay rights and everything because that's the way I feel the Holy Spirit is leading me. No, he isn't. That's the way your feelings aligned with a flexible moral society are being led. But your feelings and his urgings are not always the same thing. And the word of God will stand as an anchor for you to hold you from getting off into stupidity that the world will just say back and forth. Come on, it has increased over the last two years that I'm getting emails all the time from people. We're looking for a church that is, that is more affirming. My daughter's transgender, and she's looking for some place to be affirmed. No, that's not the church. The church is to be loving and helpful, but we don't affirm what the world says. We confirm what the Word says. And so you can't be led by the Holy Spirit in a direction he's not going. And the word of God will always have an, hold you as an anchor, and the Holy Spirit will be in line right with him. Come on, David said this in Psalm 119. He said, oh, how I love your law. Oh, how I love your law. Not how I love your suggestions or your nice-sounding teachings, but they're not really applicable to me today. No, he says, oh, how I love your law. 
It's my meditation or my focus or my anchor all the day. And you, through your commandments, made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Not the enemies are ever with me. The commandments are ever with me. They're the same yesterday, today, and forever because they're anchored around Jesus, who is the Word, and he doesn't change. Now, we could get into the split between, well, what are we talking about with Old Testament covenant versus New Testament covenant? I have to say that there are a lot of Christians that are pushing, we need the Ten Commandments in every courthouse. No, we need God so loved the world in every courthouse. People need to be anchored in the love of God and how much he will never turn his back on you and he will always lead and guide you into all truth. Come on. So through your commandments, make me, they make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all of my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I have more understanding than all of my teachers. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precept, precepts. And I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. Whew. And so in a time where they're trying to pull church and Christianity more their direction, David said, I've restrained my feet. I've stopped myself from walking that direction so that I can keep your word, which means they won't always align. I've not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. And that's the word of God. It's God speaking to you. The Word of God is the only book that you can read that when you open it and you sit down and you read it, the author is present with you. And he's there to reveal and to show his character and his nature behind it. The Word is alive. It's quick and it's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides between your thoughts and his thoughts, soul and spirit. So I've not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me, and I love this, how sweet are your words to my taste. They're sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now, I love that Toph pulled that song today, because most of you don't know, we had a, our system crash this morning, and that's why we weren't using our usual tracks and stuff that would accompany, and so we had to be like, okay, what songs are we doing? And Toph pulls this song that we've never sung here before, we need to sing this today, and this is what we're singing. How sweet are your words to my taste. They are like honey on my lips. Isn't that what we were singing? Because the Holy Spirit knew where we were going. Toph didn't know what I was preaching on this morning. But when he said, what do we need to sing then? That was the song that came out. Because the Word and the Spirit agree. He says, through your precepts, I get understanding. And therefore, I hate every false way. There's a difference between hating the false way and hating people. And Christians need to find that separation. Some people are just downright jerks to people that don't agree with you and agree with the word. Have fun winning a person you hate. You won't. And there's ways to reach people who are in that zone of moral flexibility and it doesn't come with you putting your back to them. No. A hand of love can change a heart. Come on. And so he says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. The word will illuminate the path that you should get on and start walking, and then the Holy Spirit will link hands with you and walk that path together. 
So last week when we were doing the Christmas story, we pointed out that throughout the story, we were reading it in Matthew, and you see it in Luke as well. It says, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And throughout the story, Christmas story, we see that there were things that were spoken long before that were fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. And also within the story, there were things that were fulfilled when the angel came and said, go and do this, and then they were obedient and went and did it. And throughout the whole coming of Jesus and his life and his story, we have to understand that there's 351 prophecies that were fulfilled by him in that story. And just as his coming, so is the same as your life. God can say things to you long before they come to pass. Come on. And so I want to say, don't get wrapped up in timing. But God, you said, and it hasn't happened, so I must have missed it. Or you need to continue. Come on. I remember uh, years and years ago now, my sister was running her first marathon in Ottawa. She had done half marathons up until that point. And a marathon is like, what, 26.2 miles or whatever it is. And so Christopher and I had, we were at the 20-mile mark. We were supposed to be there to cheer her on. And as, as we got to her, she's going, and she's just crying. She's like, I don't want to go on. You're 20 miles into it. Come on. You've come this far. Why would you want to give up now? And when God has spoken things to you and you've got on the journey, don't give up. Keep going. Continue. And so there were many things that were spoken of Jesus long before they ever happened. And there's things that will be spoken to you by the Holy Spirit that you're going to have to hold on. Now, we can say when we look at the story of Jesus, well, I haven't been led by an angel showing up and giving me directions, or prophets haven't heralded saying, go and do this. Well, you know what? That's fine. We have to understand how God works with us under the covenant that we have. And the writer of Hebrews in chapter 1, verse 1 said, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son. So you don't need to be concerned that you haven't had angels dancing and singing and declaring the way path before you. He's to speak to you through his son. So we have to understand how Jesus heard and how Jesus said you would hear. Because he's appointed Jesus the heir of all things, and through whom he also made the world's who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and the upholding in all things by his word and his power, he when he had himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels. So don't be seeking messages from angels. We have religions that have started on this earth because that's what they did. Oh, this angel told me. Paul said... Even if an angel comes and preaches you another gospel other than what we've told you, let them be accursed. Let them be doubly cursed. He's saying that you don't, if what the angel has said doesn't line up with the word, throw it out. Because some of us forget that when Satan fell, he took a third of the angels with him. And that's why we're to test every spirit. It should line up with Jesus, the word. Amen? 
So he's having become much better than the angels and has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you're my son, and today I've begotten you. And again, I will be a, to him a father, and he shall to be me a son. And the answer is, to none of the angels did he say that, but to his son Jesus did he say it, and to you did he say it. Jesus is the first begotten among the brethren. He's the firstborn so that there could be second and thirds and thousands and millions and all the way down. You are sons and daughters of God, so he doesn't talk to you as servant and slave and friend. He talks to you as a kid. It says, to as many as believed him, to those he would give power to become sons and daughters of God. And so to which of the angels did he say that? None. So you don't need angels to lead you. They're the servants. They're ministers on behalf of us. But you can't expect the Father to speak to you through the Holy Spirit. For Jesus himself said, I've not spoken on my own authority. But the Father who sent me gave me a command, not a suggestion, a command, not a suggestion, what I should say and what I should speak. He said, I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I'll speak. So where do prophets fall into this then? Because I see so many in the body of Christ still doing this. They're seeking out a prophet to try and get a direction and a word when they should be seeking out the Father who will direct your steps. They have a different function in the New Testament versus the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they were foretellers because there was no Holy Spirit. So God would say, this is what's going to happen. And it was settled. In the New Testament, they are forth-tellers, meaning this is the direction I would have you to go. You need to stand up and walk that direction or nothing's going to happen. Come on. And that's why you see so many prophecies fall to the ground is because people go, oh, that's so great. I'm so glad it's going to happen, and they just stand there and do nothing. It's kind of like having the vision of hitting a home run but then never getting up to the plate. You'll never see that come to pass. You got to walk the journey. You got to put in the reps. You got to learn the swing. You got to time the pitches. And when you hit, you run. And when it comes to New Testament prophecies, there are words that are seed and words that you need. I'll say that again. There's words that are seed and there's words that are need. Where They'll say something to you, and it's planting a vision and a seed in your heart that you need to tend and let grow and walk the journey. The seed went in the ground, and you've got to tend it and let it see, uh, see growth. Then there's words that you need, and they usually look like, keep going, don't lose heart, I'm still with you, it's going to happen, it'll come to pass, don't lose heart. And so there's words that are seed, and there's words that you need. But Jesus is the one who gives direction through the Holy Spirit. And he said, so he was listening to the Father and only doing what the Father said, and he's made you one like him. He's the first begotten, and you're the second, third, whatever, down the road. You listen to the Father just like he said. What the Father says you do. 
And Jesus said in John 16, however, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. Not all things to come, but things. Coming back to the beginning. You don't need to know it all. You just need to do what you were told now. And have a little trust in the God who holds the universe. He's got it all worked out a little better than we do. And he will glorify me. You can always see when someone has gotten off in a direction where they're thinking God's leading them, and it's not God, because the glory begins to take a different direction. Instead of the glory going to God, the glory begins to go to them. And people start to puff them up and love them above God. A true move and a true word of God will always bring glory back to God. And the quickest way to see a move of God end is to take the glory that belongs to him. You can read the history of revivals that have hit, that hit the world over the last 2,000 years since Jesus. And every time it becomes about the person over God, it ends. You know, they say about William Seymour and uh, the Azusa Street Revival that they asked, like, you know, what used to happen in the beginning days? They said, well, you know, there was, all, like, just one room that they were meeting in, and there was no privacy, and so he would, to get a little bit of alone time with God, he would come out, and he would sit, and he'd put a box on his head, so it would shut everybody else out, and he would just pray, and he would seek God and, until it was time for the meeting to go, and he'd come out having heard from God. And they said, well, what was different about when things began to wane off at the end? They said he stopped putting the box on his head. No matter how far along the journey you are, you've got to go back to the lead so that you can follow where he wants you to go and take the focus off yourself. You'll never find yourself in a position where you don't need him. So he says he'll glorify me and he'll take of what is mine and declare it to you. And all things that the Father has are mine. And therefore I said he'll take of mine... And he'll declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit knows how to speak to you. And he'll do it in line with the word of God. Back to Matthew 122, it says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled. Everyone say that with me. Fulfilled. Which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And often when you're on the journey, and you're feeling like, God, when's this going to happen? You need to remember... It shall come to pass. Yes. And why do I say we need to have a good, uh, a good rounded approach of the Bible and be anchored to it? It's because this is a word that shows up over 60 times. It shall come to pass. I've said it, and that's how it's going to be. And that's something we need to put the word of God in our vocabulary. Yes. Instead of saying, when is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? Start saying, it shall happen. It shall come to pass. Just as he's spoken, I'm going to keep walking the journey. I'm going to keep following him as he goes, and it shall come to pass. I love what Ezekiel said in Ezekiel 24, 14. I, the Lord, have spoken it. It shall come to pass. I will do it. I will not hold back, nor will I spare, nor will I relent. That's God speaking. I won't hold back. It shall come to pass. But it says here at the end, according to your ways, 
and according to your deeds, they will judge you, says the Lord God. Think about that for a second. They're watching. And they're judging. And so most Christians' response are, well, I don't want to do anything that would make me look foolish. They're watching, and they're judging, and what did they just conclude? You're weak, powerless, pathetic, why would I ever want to go that direction? And we try to pr protect our image in the light of others because of how they might respond. No. They're watching, they're judging, give them something good to judge. Come on. When Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe, they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. They'll speak to demons and they'll come out. Come on. Give them something good to judge. I'd rather be judged for doing what God told me to do than be judged by wanting to look pretty before everybody else. Let my name be mud and let his name be glorified. Peter said this. We didn't follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. He's saying we just didn't follow somebody's funny story that they made up. We saw it. We lived it. We beheld it. And he, and he begins to quote an experience he had with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration where before their eyes the glory of God hit that place and Jesus was transformed before them and his, 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 uh, he began to glow and radiate with the power and the glory of God. His clothes were bleached whiter than anybody could get them and Peter's standing there going, what is happening? And he said, it's good that we're here, guys. That's what he said to them. He said, let's make some temples. Let's make one for Jesus, one for Elijah, one for Moses. It's good that we're here. And the whole glory of God just surrounded Jesus and shut Peter out. And they heard, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so Peter is thinking about that moment, and he's writing it here in 2 Peter, where it says, For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from excellent glory, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And we heard his, this voice, which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. Meaning it was spoken, and I got to see it, because it shall come to pass. Amen? It shall come to pass. We have the prophetic word confirmed, which you will do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Whew, that's what the word of God spoken to you, and the direction he gives will become to you a light in a dark place. As David said, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. So it shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart, knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, meaning he knows how it's going to work out you don't have to concern yourself with the details. 
you go when he says go, you turn when he says do, pick up what he tells you to pick up, let go what he tells you to let go. It's not your job to interpret how it would happen. We saw how that worked out for Herod in last week's story, right? The wise men showed up because they were searching and looking and they found. And Herod's like, he turned to his guys, he's like, where's the Messiah coming from? Did we miss something? And he's like, yeah, we missed something three years ago. Because the word meant nothing to them. It was just something that was said. When you take what he said to you, you honor it. You hold it. And you declare over it. It shall come to pass. For prophecy never came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And you live in a covenant where the Holy Spirit speaks directly to you. But it also means something, and this is the last direction I want to go before we wrap up today. We have to leave space in our planning for the leading of the Holy Spirit. We have to leave space. And after last week's message, I was talking with Ray and Joanne, and I said this to them. There's something that's been lost in the body of Christ, and it's not just this generation. It was the generation before me, too. It's not not what it used to be, and that is, what is the will of the Lord? Are you leaving space for his will, or is it all about your plan and your way and what you want to do? The Holy Spirit is going to move where he's given space to do so. If your life is all planned out, all of the details, he's got nothing to do. He'll be like, if you want to go that way, go that way. I'll be over here when you find out that that wasn't the right way. Come on. And James said in James 4.13, he says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. We're going to spend a year there. We're going to buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you don't know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Come on. If the Lord wills, if that's what he wants me to do, sure, I'm going to run and I'm going to do it. If you haven't discerned what the will of God is for your life, stop moving. It's not worth it. Not another moment. We leave space for him. If the Lord wills. And we used to see this in generations past where it was just part of our vocabulary. Lord willing, I'll come and do this. I'm not saying that you need to put that in your words like that, but you need to know within your heart that you're leaving space. I'll go where he wants me to go and I'll do what he wants me to do. And if it's not what he wants me to do, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be radically obedient to whatever he tells me, no matter the cost, because the, the reward is much larger with him than anything else that I could do. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. He says, but now you boast in your arrogance. Whew, come on. These are strict words. James is not for the immature Christian. You boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. He says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it's sin. Now, we often use this as what we call the sin of omission. You knew to do something and chose not to do it. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that washes us of all sin. But if you know to do something, you do it. And in the context of that verse, he's talking about seeking the will of God and the direction of God. If you know to seek him, 
do it. It's the world not worth going another moment. And so on December 18th, we told you Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, 2 verse 12, he says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, I was on a mission for Christ. It wasn't my gospel. It wasn't my message. It was Christ's gospel. And a door was opened to me by the Lord. But I had no rest in my spirit. That's what he said. He was leaving space for the leading of the Lord. And because I didn't find Titus my brother... But taking leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. Well, what did he say to the Corinthians in the first book he wrote to them? In chapter 4, verse 18 of 1 Corinthians, he says, Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you. Some people are mad, thinking, Paul, he's abandoned us. He's never coming back. But he says, but I, I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. And I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. <laughs> what he's saying is like, you guys think you're, you're big shots and you're like, oh, how dare Paul not come? I'm going to find out how strong you are when we're standing face to face rather than through pen and paper. Come on. It's just like today, people are willing to say a lot of things to you through social media or through emails or through text messages. But when they're standing face to face, they wouldn't dare say that to you. That's what Paul's talking about here. He said, I'm going to follow the will of the Lord, and you think I've slighted you by not coming? There were other cities that needed to be reached. There were other places that the Lord was leading me to go. And I'm coming back to you guys if the Lord wills. You're in my plans, but I'll follow his plan. We see that same thing in Acts chapter 18. It says, when he came to Ephesus, and he left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to stay a little longer with them... He did not consent, but he took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return to you again, God willing. And he sailed to Ephesus. He left space for the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we need to do the same thing. Now, I'll balance that with this. Don't use that as an excuse to be so flippant flippy floppy and not follow through on your commitments come on some people it's like they don't want to get nailed down because a better offer might come up no keep your commitments if you said you're going to do it your word is your bond do it but we leave space for the leading of the holy spirit and you say i'm sorry i know i know i said i was going to come but i got to do this and then i'll come but don't be flippy floppy The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. He won't violate what the Word of God says. And what He says, it will come to pass. Keep going. Seek the will of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, Pastor Robin, you can wrap us up. How about that? <laughs> oh, praise God. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. That he can lead us, guide us, direct us, help us in every way. Amen. God knew exactly what we needed in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. It's offering time. Yeah. So um, it's, um, are we going to have this? Oh, there we go. We got it. You can give several ways. This is one way electronically, or you can use the envelope and then uh, in the bench there, just fill it out complete, please. And uh, 
Let's say this confession together because we're sowing seed today. So this is my seed. I sow it into the kingdom of God. Seed, do what you do best, grow. I sow you to spread the gospel. I sow you to strengthen believers. I sow you to go where I cannot. I sow you to grow, multiply, and return in great supply. Harvest, I receive you. Lack, I resist you. His supply is sufficient. I walk in abundance of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Pastor Wendy and I will be up here at the front if you